0: Okay, all right, so what we're going to do is, if you are in a position to close your eyes, close your eyes. If not, just focus on your breathing in and out, as natural as you normally do. As you begin to breathe in and out in a natural rhythm, take the breaths in through your nose a little deeper Hold the breath just a little longer and exhale the breath just a little more. As you continue to take your deeper breaths, you can feel your body relaxing in. Now I want you to look above your head and see the golden white light coming from above and entering through the top of your head, also known as the crown chakra. As it enters into your head, it fills up the space into your neck, into your shoulders, down your arms, into your fingertips, down through your chest, into your abdomen, filling all the spaces with golden white light, into your hips, down your legs, into your feet and toes. Give yourself just a moment to breathe in this beautiful golden white energy. Look down at your feet and watch this beautiful golden white begin to pull below your feet. Ask Gaia, Mother Earth, if you may anchor in this white light. As you do, the white light begins to go into Mother Earth's core, anchor in the light and come back up through your feet, up through your legs, into your hips, up through your abdomen, up through your fingertips, into your shoulders, into your chest, back up through your head, creating a beautiful 360 degree bubble of golden white energy. This is now your safe space. As you look around you inside of this golden white energy a rod appears on this rod are seven circles these are your seven main chakras they begin to turn and spin activating color beautiful energy of alignment as you look around you inside of this beautiful golden white energy you begin to See fireflies appear. The fireflies are in the colors of red, orange, yellow, green, purple, and pink. If you look around and see all of these beautiful colors flying around you inside of the space of golden white energy, I want you to begin to take breaths in your nose, and out your mouth. Begin to feel the ground beneath your feet. And on your final breath, I want you to open your eyes. You have now
1: entered the space. I'll just go about to go into an even deeper relaxation there.
2: Yeah, that one will really lead you into some beautiful, deep meditation, deep understanding. It's really a good space to create anything that you want because you're in a protected, pure space at that point with spirit. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I love the, um, I love the firefly idea, actually. Well, you gave me the idea. Well, I gave you a that. So you turned it yeah. into a firefly. <laughs> it
2: blossomed. The nap blossomed into something beautiful. When it can't bother you,
1: it turns into beauty. (laughs) Come. Whenever I sit down and meditate now, it's, um, I don't know, it's, I can get into this state sometimes, drop into this state quite effortlessly and, and start to either feel like almost that feeling you get when you're falling asleep where it's so deep you you lose all awareness of what's around you and other times I can sit down and meditate and I've got all the probably worse in the mornings actually where I've got um all the ideas to do with work or the loops that are going on but even if I even if that while that's going on and I keep breathing I can start to feel that very calm peaceful and it's like coming over me and then I know when I'm in that state I can feel it now it's like my voice gets softer feel my heart opening up do you get that
2: yeah I start to I do the same I find my voice becoming more melodic yeah and that I feel um as much as it feels like a floating feeling I feel very grounded into you know this earth plane that we're on and um it almost feels like I drop into a heart space as opposed to a mental space. So I find myself being um, calmer and, uh, and like you said, in the morning, I have more ideas. And so if I, I I enter that space as soon as I can in the mornings. And so that helps me with any creative ideas that I have. And then at night, um, if I find myself having a rough time, um, you know, getting rid of the thoughts, I'll yeah. enter that same space again and it helps clear that clutter. And then I, like you were saying, um, I then allow it to continue to take me deeper into the process to where then <laughs> I detach from, you know, this state of being and allows me to go to sleep really fast.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, and it's interesting, just in, in terms of, like you say, the clutter in the mind, cause I was talking to um, one of the women that I meet from time to time at work today and um, I heard in a voice yesterday and I heard in a voice today that she I could tell she felt stressed and uh, so I so today I thought I was mindful of that so I was just like how's it going and she said oh you know I've got you know when somebody feels really stressed you can see the body language is just like oh I've got this to do and that to do I was like what is it about that that stresses you so she said well you know, I'm normally good at writing, um, writing these things in this way, but this is new to me, it's not familiar. So, but then what do you do when you feel overwhelmed and stressed? Do you still try and force yourself to sit at the laptop and do the work? Or do you break the stress up? Because there's something around when we get when we get overwhelmed and stressed, so the overwhelm is, a, is an accumulation of too much mental activity, isn't it? As well as it can be a physiological experience. Um, and what some of the sort of technology coming through, some of the spiritual other conversations I've listened to, different people have different methodologies. But it was, if you move your body, if you get out of that space... So I know if I'm in overwhelm because what I said to her is when you're stressed and you're in overwhelm, your body is now getting flooded with all these stress chemicals, and it needs to fight the tiger that it thinks it's fighting because, you know, that's the whole purpose of winding ourselves up in some ways. So I said, so now, so now you've got all of this energy going on in your body, and your brain shuts down because stress moves out of your cognitive facility. And it moves into your physical uh, responsiveness. And I said, that doesn't take long for your body to release those chemicals to, to uh, when you're going into that space. So you can either sit back. I said, sometimes all you've got to do is sit back in your chair and start taking deep breaths. And some of the research says that it only takes about three deep breaths to switch from your stress system. to your non-stress system. So I said, but that's just the first step. But you've got to sit back in your chair and go, okay, this work can wait for five minutes, 10 minutes. Then take yourself off for a walk. So, so, so this is when I go and put the kettle on, I go and wash the dishes, I go and put the washing out because I'm doing a physical activity. If I'm really wired and I, I get wired to the point where I'm just agitated and my thoughts are scattered, it's like right i need to go for a walk so so, because you're working from home the demarcation between home and everything else has disappeared so you have to create new behaviors and new habits and i guess all of us in this last year however like we're in different countries however we've been um influenced or directly affected by this pandemic is everybody's had to either all of the routines and day-to-day practices either cease to exist because we might have been driving to the office and sitting in an office for seven hours we might be sat on a train we might have been sending the kids to school and then coming back and doing what we needed to do at home so of course the kids have been at home the routine's been disrupted everything's been disrupted and moving out of Uh, regular habits and routines and it all being disrupted we can forget quite easily we know when to eat because we're hungry and we kind of know when the sun rises there should be food when the sun's setting there's probably more food and we know this washing to do because it's in the corner and it's telling us but everything about our daily lives and existence has been disrupted and and either dissipated or disappeared so everybody's creating sort of new routines but sometimes not creating routines in in favor of how they work within the new environment because we've got different lights in at home and we don't need to eat as much food because we're not as active I'm not even when I was in the university I was burning off 300 steps just going to the bathroom well it's not free. steps up my stairs to the bathroom. So all of this shift in activity has made a big difference. So I so, says, so you're sat at your desk all day and you get stressed. What do you do? You work harder. You try and operate more, but you your brain's not in that place. So what do you do? Sit back, take some breaths, but because it's not a part of normal behavior, everyday behavior, I can do it because it's taken me years to develop these new habits so when you and and this is the thing with change and transition is earlier on last year everybody was affected by what happened probably the whole world could have gone into shock and when you're in shock you just do the the bare minimum yeah you're in survival at that point your survival yeah and then you go into some kind of uh response behavior that whatever is your usual response for handling those things. So sometimes people shut down, some get frenetic, some get upset, some want to talk about it all the time. It's all of those processes. But at some stage, there's a reorientation of that. And people have had to reorientate and then change it and reorientate and change. These are kind of some of the best things and the worst things that can happen from a psychological perspective to change human beings. Mm-hmm. If you wanna bring in a new behavior quick, global pandemic's a fairly good way to do that. <laughs> yeah, I would say yes. <laughs> so how can we operationalize that knowledge in terms of, you know, like we were talking earlier, we're moving now into a new space. So we've done a meditation to talk about new moving into a new space. But we're all, most of us are in a new space. We're either moving into a new space and how we see ourselves, our role here, what our day-to-day lives look like, um, what work we're doing and forming new habits, forming habits that are more about self-care, uh, self-respect, self-validation, um, creating journeys that we want, shifting and releasing and letting go of what we don't want so we've done one process for entering into a space dropping into that and moving into a heart center and um where where you can get more in touch with that deeper part of your own nature and letting some of that other gnats in your system that interfere (laughs) with that. But also, like you said earlier, we're um we're also in the process of deciding who's in our life and who isn't and um what activities we did before that we don't want to do now and what we do want to do instead. So we're in so as I'm talking to you I'm sort of seeing this one foot in the past, one foot in the future and edging towards a new moon that I've been much more aware of this time. And I keep hearing things about Taurus is in all the planets are in the Taurus zone. And it means all of this. And I thought, wow, everything about my star sign is in everybody else's star sign at the moment, which is stubborn and vertical and all of that. So we've got those two processes, haven't we? And it's also beautiful because
2: Taurus is a lot of grounding energy and relaxing into as much as Taurus is, you know, the bull and, and, and just pushes through Taurus is very grounded in the way it pushes through. And it's very, um, it's, you know, methodical, like you said, it's a methodical pushing, you know, it knows what it wants. And now in, in this process, this new moon to full moon, we're trying to figure out what the steps are to get what we want. But we're also realizing inside of that energy, being the Taurus energy, that we have to do this in a more grounded way, that you you have to take the steps necessary to get there, but what do you do in the meantime to keep those steps as grounded as possible? And I think that's kind of that that side of the Taurus energy that I'm really starting to, to feel is I am very grounded since the season started, which was what, yesterday? Yeah. Since Taurus season started, I, I noticed that there's an immediate grounding effect to it. Um, there's immediate I want to be outside more. I want to get my feet on the ground. I want to
0: uh. be
2: more in tune with nature because we're walking into spring. Um, but I did want to go back real fast and you know, we talk about, um, people that get stressed out. There is this, uh, quick, you know, for me, as we transition into these new understandings, as we're growing as a, as not only as a human being, but as a race of people, of humans, you know, we're doing both individual and collective work at this point in this new transition of what's going on in the world. Um, you know, we are, uh, my one of my goals is to keep things simple, keep things quick, keep things for the person that might not be as motivated as a, you know, a. a- a yogi master or, um, you know, a, a guru that of meditation, you know, we're, the quick fix ideas to kind of get your body reset and get you back in alignment. Um, and it's funny, cause you had said breath. And one of the things that I do is I call it the five by five by five. Yeah. You take a five second breath in, you hold it for five seconds, you release it for five seconds. You do that three separate times and your body will actually acclimate to the newer, Breathing technique and it allows you to push through that, um, the overwhelmed feeling, that chaotic moment. I I do that a lot for people that get anxious inside of their, um, overwhelmed. And it seems to be a, a quick way to reset your body. Yeah. So that you can then process the information more clearly. And that's I, I would definitely recommend that. but everything that we as we're transitioning from this massive pandemic, global pandemic into this new form of day-to-day activity, be it some people still work from home. Some people had to go right back to work and work their 40 hour work weeks and and go back to you know, but still things everything's different. Um, and the, that the white light called in that took what two minutes you know, and, you know, the the three breaths in for five seconds, that takes less than a minute. And these are all just really quick ways, no matter how busy we are as a person or as a society that we can do to help minimize the stress effects that we are always living in. Because let's face it, this world is in survival mode, and we're not in the thrive mode as a collective yet. And so collectively, we've got to start Um, finding ways to get us inside of thrive energy
1: and not in survival energy and it's interesting that you you talk about the the simple and the quick things we can do because I think the other element of this is rather than maybe in the past we've made made arrangements to say go go to the gym and do an hour's workout or go to a yoga and meditation class three times a week and I I remember when I first started doing yoga I was only going once a week and I started thinking what for one hour a week I'm breathing properly and meditating for one hour out when we've got 24 hours in one day and and then I thought why wouldn't you do do that every day wake up and find a way and and you're right I'm noticing this about grounding finding a way to come into your body and experience the overwhelm and reflect on it, but don't get hooked into it. And if you pepper your day with when you wake up in the morning, it can be five or 10 minutes of mindfulness or meditation. Because for me, the mindfulness, and my friend was saying this the other day as well, is she wakes up and the moment she wakes up, she does a whole load of things around gratitude. You know, I'm really grateful for the sun coming through my window, how beautiful the curtains look when great practice colors change. And I can feel the carpet, uh, the fibers on my feet, it feels lush. I hear the water running into the bath. I love the smell of the bubble bath as I put it in because it's rose and geranium. And I can walk down the stairs and I feel the shards of light feels the spiritual moment like when you walk in a church and you've got the light coming through the, the the windows and she I have a similar process and she was talking through her process and I was like yeah that's brilliant because what that does is even if we have a tendency to have an anxious or depressive mind or mode or mindset or you just wake up feeling plain crap and moody is that choice because it is a choice you have to make it a choice to start with it's not innate it's not an unconscious uh unthought out action because if it was we wouldn't be waking up moody so much you have to make the choice to to put that in place but it may it it really sets up the days because by the time i've looked out the got to the back garden and seen the flowers and gone through that process the state has already started to shift but physiologically maybe my body hasn't woken up properly or I feel a bit heavy or whichever and then I might start the stretching and, and start the breath work but it's not it's not even like uh we'll have to sit down as isolated chunks of time now because in between working I'll change the the blinds or go out and do something else or like today I took myself off for an hour to go and walk and then I come back and I think and then the creative ideas come back of oh I was thinking about doing that and they come back much clearer the clarity around them so
2: gratitude is its own energy zone Uh, anyways it brings you into a new it's a shift in reality um, you know, even at your lowest point, when your self awareness is really just taking a back seat and you're you feel disassociated from your body, mm. uh, a quick way to bring that in is to list the things you're grateful for, and to do that as soon as you wake up. And people say that they don't have time, but you have to take a shower every day. <laughs> yes, you know, true. so if you are a busy person, typically you're showering every day. When we have the time in the bathroom. While we're getting ready, while we're taking a shower, that's our most quiet time that we have. We're not usually speaking to another person that entire time. And yeah. you can find the space in the, in that moment to create a gratitude circle, to create a white light circle, to take your breath work into action. We can't deny the power of water. And the conductor that water is, people say they get their biggest ideas or they have their most yeah. channeling experiences or they meet the highest realms possible inside of a body of water. Shower is the same thing as getting into a bathtub. It's, it's there. It's water upon your body. It's creating a conductor for whatever it is you yeah. want.
1: And if we use
2: that space effectively, you can change your entire mindset in a matter of a week or two. And it's, it's just little day-to-day practices. Nobody's asking, and if they are, they need to stop. Nobody's asking a person to go from a busy, stressful, overwhelmed feeling to sitting by themselves for an hour. Yeah. And what we're, what. What's being asked is that we start making these step-by-step productive motions to get us into alignment with who we are and who we are is not stressed. Who we are is not overwhelmed. Who we are isn't concerned about everything that's going wrong in this world. Who we are is is love. It's purity. It's it's innocence. It's that fresh perspective waking up every day. And if we just put in one piece at a time and we start adding to the collection of things that we do to inspire ourselves into this more grounded nature yeah you're gonna look back three months later and be like holy crap there was this moment that I didn't even think I could get a guided meditation in let alone a full meditation sitting by myself with my thoughts yeah and and gratitude like that what you and your friend do for gratitude is absolutely one of the best ways to get yourself connected to spirit mm-hmm. and the things that all around you, that spirit is trying to show you the beauty that is spirit, the beauty that is this existence that we live yeah. in, noticing yeah. the light coming off yeah. the windows and the way it lays its, its beautiful light onto the the carpet or the, the rails of the stairway, or, you know, I have, um, light that comes in that reflects in the rainbow pattern in the afternoon. And I, every time I see it, every single time I find myself being so grateful to get to experience the way that light reflects off of things and how, what a beautiful moment I get to experience. And, and, you know, we've been hard and we've been scorned and we've been jaded. And now let's just try the opposite. Let's be full of wonderment let's be full of amusement let's allow the smallest things like a reflection of light be rainbow be something that we can get excited and grateful for and you just it, it's just little things like that that will change your perception of everything in this world and it starts with that grateful that that level of gratefulness that brings you into the awareness of self that gives you the awareness of spirit and it doesn't take much time it just requires a consistent effort
1: that's yeah. all and in it, yeah. And initially, and it, and it depends how long you've felt depressed, how long you've been anxious, how long you've felt overwhelmed. Because sometimes it can sound tweak me from someone to say, you know, just be gratitude or whatever. But I I certainly know from my own experience of having lived in those mindsets on a regular period, and not experiencing what I experience now as a daily thing, which is why I'm even I am grateful because even if I'm aware that I'm shifting the state that didn't feel so good when I wake up, I wake up and, and Mel Robbins, who's got a book, the five second rule. Uh, I listened to her two years ago. Um, and it basically is five seconds where you've got to wake up and make a choice to just get up and get out of bed and start switching your focus. And it is a choice and you have to go, I'm not going to, I'm not going to listen to this dialogue that is negative or um, gets me deeper in that hole. And that is practice. And I know it's hard for a lot of people. And I know it's taken me step by step by step by step by step. And I slip back, but I don't slip back as far or I can re-energize that space And even if you slip back, it's simply put because you needed to revisit the
2: area because it wasn't as healed as we thought it was. So we're going to go back here in that what we consider a slip back, what spirit would call a spiral and allow that moment in that spiral to, to awaken you to an idea or an understanding of why you feel that way.
0: Yeah. And and I don't
2: think that like, um, for For us specifically, I know that you and I aren't here to teach things that we ourselves haven't put ourselves haven't yeah gotten through, and and since you and I have both been through these deeper levels of depression, because we have experienced this, I can't even get out of bed, let alone think of something grateful. (laughs) that, you know, we put into place these really easy things. We're not saying that you're going to get it out the gate. We're not saying in two and a half days, you're going to go from suicidal depressed to the happiest person on the, on the place, you know, on earth. But as long as, you know, you, you do, you have to make the choice. Do I want to feel like this? Or do I want to consistently try to make myself feel better? And that is a choice. It's a a free will choice that we wake up with every day we wake up. And there's always something to be grateful for. And I think we've talked about this before, where even when I found it hard to to find three things, because it was three things every day, I, you know, the minimum, the bare minimum, three things. Okay. Even when I couldn't, I had to phone a friend. And I would be like, Hey, I can't come up with my three things today. Can you tell me something to be grateful for? You know, you have to set yourself up for success in the same way that you would anything else. You wouldn't take a child to daycare the first time with never meeting, just dropping them off the door and letting them go in and just be like, all right, they're a daycare. They're going to take care of my kid. No, you're going to do some research on this. And you know, your level of research is up to the individual. But, you know, then you have to put into practice what it is that you've decided to do. I'm going to take my child every morning to their classroom, say hello to the teacher, let them know about, you know, what they're feeling like that morning before I exit out. Um, and you begin to have that pattern that starts to show up. But this is the same thing. You know, you you have to think about it. I, a lot of times I tell people to put a pen and paper next to them. Yeah. And write down the three things they're grateful for yeah. and keep that right there. And if you can't come up with another three things, look at that paper the next morning and say, these are, these are three things that I am grateful for. Even if you have to repeat the same three things, yeah. it still will upgrade that mindset to a more grateful nature. And that's really, once you've hit the levels of knowing that your existence isn't just pain, that there are things inside of your life that are pure and beautiful and worthy of gratefulness It even, it just, if, even if
1: it's only one thing you found in that week just by even knowing that this one thing because I think um sometimes and you childhood obviously is going to influence this and if you've if you've grown up with a depressed parent or you know any parents that have mental health issues or take drugs or anything like that where the atmosphere is dense and dark or depressive or negative or violent any of those things is that you you might never have even thought that being any other way or thinking any other way is possible and it's usually when people get into either they're so sick of it because that's often what drives us to change is we're so sick of what it is or bored of what it is or we enter into a crisis or the authorities come into our lives for some reason and because sometimes the universe takes the control even if we're not ready to do it and it's forced and and in a way that's why we're both passionate I guess to have these conversations because it shouldn't have to get to that stage it shouldn't have to get really bad it shouldn't have to go into crises people shouldn't feel those things so the journey can be like what you want about that you know and people can't comprehend it but once is it's almost like a shard of light once it's a shard of light a little bit of knowing the tiny bit of you that says there must be something else because I don't know what it was with you but with me when I'd, when I'd had my son and I had really bad depression, and because in the back of my mind, I was scared that I was going to end up like my mum because she was depressed a lot. So I just thought, and back in the day, and they still say it now in, in a lot of cases, that, you know, it's hereditary and you're going to end up like that. So for me, it was just, I that's not a path. It's not an option. I can't continue down that path. I've got to find other ways and other things so that that I don't end up on the same trajectory I didn't know how I didn't know what and that's when whatever started to come up whether that was counseling whether I I think I did go to a group for a short while until I was shifting out my depression then you can't be around be blue depressed then you know because you have to shift but and it's been steps and different steps and uh and mindset shifts, and the way I think now, and the way I know things can happen now, well, uh, probably I'd have liked it to have happened in much uh, less time, however, the the moments, or the the very subtle things now that I can notice, like what you're saying, what you're able to do, because when, you, when you're either chronically depressed, or chronically anxious, or chronically just in a really not great place stress grief whichever it is whether it's work whether it's a family breakdown whatever that is is that noise like you were talking about the gnat earlier on it's not one gnat it's a whole big swarm isn't it that is there in your mind and so even even moments where if because sometimes it's somebody else that comes into their life that says hang on a minute mate let's go for a pint or come on let's go shopping or whatever pulls them out of that a little bit because when you're really absorbed in that we attract more you know we'll attract more noise won't we but yeah it gets to that gets to that stage and I remember when um just thinking about the water when you were saying it because I got all I got all excited listening to that because it reminded me when I listened to um, or watched a film about Dr. Rimoto, who did the research on uh, on water crystals and what happens when we look at water and when we um, when we imagine nice things. And so, whether I'm having a bath or a shower in the bath, what I often do. I get really relaxed and I actually spend a lot more time in the bath now than I used to. And I imagine that I'm just sending this positive energy to the bath water and, you know, and that it's like a Dr. Emoto session where all the crystals are turning into the most beautiful, loving crystals. And then my whole body is getting bathed in loving, uh, warm kind energy. Or sometimes if I stand on the shower, I haven't got a great shower, so I don't stand on it for long. Um, on the days where I feel really overwhelmed and stressed, or I feel like there's a lot of static in my system, because now I notice the gnats more. I notice one or two, yep. whereas before we might have a thousand around. Thousands of them. Right. Exactly. So now I'll notice a very subtle change and I might get up and stand under the shower and imagine that the shower is washing all that away and that I'm under the most beautiful waterfall with the most beautiful of rainbow around me. And each of those, and they, they come naturally now. And I think that's the difference. The thoughts come in naturally. It doesn't take much of a shift in focus, the light shard or the candle or the voice or something, the trigger, there's more triggers now that trigger the positive experiences rather than the triggers that used to trigger the negative experiences. Well, what you're telling me
2: is pretty much a manifestation story where you intended to have a good day or in good moments or more positive outlook. So you slowly but surely took the steps in that direction by creating a more positive experience first thing in the morning, a more positive experience getting into the bath or shower, a more positive experience on your way to work, or if your work's at home on the way to your desk at home. Um and in the end, what you're doing is manifesting a good mood and, yeah. and that is everything. And you're right. Water is, it is just pure perfection when it comes to cleansing so many different things. And so, um, I've heard, uh, you know, I introduced this to a bunch of my friends, um, that when I enter my shower or my bath space, I always claim I make the intention to manifest, Of course. So I'm intending when I get into the shower is that it cleanses my, um, my auric energetic and physical fields. Now, a friend of mine said, well, I say mind, body, spirit, and I, that's the same thing. It's so whatever it is that you're choosing to call in, I call it in that way, but you can call in this to clear out whatever this, these fields are for you. And if you want to cleanse a quick way to come in and have a different, like walk into that shower with your intention of clearing your mind, body, and spirit. And then when you're in the shower, count your grateful. You know, yeah. enter your white space in there. Could you imagine how beautiful of a mood you're going to be in if you we do the whites entering in that, that golden white light while in a shower? your experience is just going to be completely different. And that's just, that's plain and simple, but yeah, it's just, it's uh, it's all about your intention. You have to be aware that you are on a path right now. And in that path, you're going from a depression, which it seems in the middle of depression, but when you're ready to be out of depression, when you, and you know, and that's going to a therapist, going to group, starting to do self-help things, you're gonna kind of know. That's when we have to clearly start stating those intentions. I'm intending to have a better day, and it, and that day doesn't have to be great. It just you're
1: looking to not have the it has negative. To just be slightly better than yeah. the previous day, or one day. Because I remember at that stage, I remember the whole week being depressed. But then I remember when I was coming out of the depression, it'd be one day a week. And then I started using my journal to have a look at what was different on that day where I felt better, you know, was it a train of thoughts because it's not about us all the time. Sometimes we, there are a hell of a lot of things Absolutely. around us, aren't there? You know, that is, I think sometimes is too much, you know, um. So sometimes it's just too many things to go on and we can't deal with it all ourselves, or we're in situations that are extreme, abusive, power dynamics all of that and then that's asking ourselves then you can't positively way think your way out of that but what you can do when you're having the shower and this reminds me now of Tina Turner because I watched the film about Tina Turner years ago and how she was in that abusive relationship with Ike and how she um, started meditating and, and listening to Buddhist chants and eventually just by doing that one motion every day, got the strength, the insight and the fortitude to move out of that situation. And that's really
2: what we're trying to accomplish is giving yourself enough empowerment to do whatever it is that you need to do, be it just to have a good day or to find that strength to find safety for yourself. You know, it's all over the board depending on what your situation is. And nobody is saying that, you know, um, that one situation is worse than the other, because as you were telling me earlier, if it's your feelings, then, you know, it's okay to own that. And that's your experience and you, it's, you know, that's, it's a good thing. And so, you know, um, the goal for this is to recognize and through doing these little, things every day to bring in a higher vibra you know, vibrational field for yourself yeah. is to give yourself that clarity is to find the way to get into a clearer mindset, to accomplish the goals at, at, at hand. And sometimes those goals are getting out of an abusive situation. Sometimes those goals are a career path. Sometimes those are just like, I need to be a better mom. Yes. And, you know, how can you do that? If you're going to continue to circle around in the same thought patterns in the same environment, doing the same things, You've got to start putting yourself ahead of that game and recognizing it for what it is, which is I need to, I need to make this next step towards this end goal that I have. And for most of us, that end goal really is just to have a level of peace in your life.
1: Yeah. And sometimes, um, sometimes you don't even know that it's that, and you don't know you need to set an intention or that you need to create a goal, but what you do know on some level and a bit like we were talking earlier about you know when there's been a shift we've shifted or relationships are shifting is you just have this sense of either sometimes it can be unease frustration it can be just something's not right and it's and, and it gets to the stage where it's just not solvable so in partnerships that can be where you've addressed the problem at the same time but the same thing's happening or you know you're going into work situation and you think oh it will be great I've got this new project to do but you still feel the same and it can be a subtle thing that and then that can get bigger and bigger and then it's then it's been able to, to to look at that and it's and I don't know I was saying we was having this conversation of oh I know it was w- with this friend I'd met after a long time and we were talking about what's what had sort of been one of the positive aspects of the uh, lockdowns because everything that people were doing and she was talking mo- you know mostly about a her sense herself but we're talking in a general sense is even those slight feelings of not being happy or something not being right or all this just unease were are overshadowed by the no- the other no- the other noises or the external environment or the things that we've got some kind of attachment to. So that might be taking the kids to soccer and going to work and going out and going to the cinema and doing all that. But that feeling still remains, that feeling's still there, but that's not as noisy because the other stuff clouds it out and then we remove all those things and people are then left with what's there. And the only time I reckon that people would really come into touch with that place is either if they went to yoga and chose to do yoga and meditation, because that's what that does. It moves all that external noise out or something else along the lines of you're centered in the room and you are present. You, you, you have to be present. You're not in the past, you're not in the film, you're not in any of those different things. And And regardless
2: of where you are on your path, that is truth. You're not in the past, you're not in the future, you're right now. You're just and right you have now. to remain focused on now, because if you're too far in the future, you're going to start having anxiety. You're going to start feeling the overwhelmed feelings because now you're trying to control things that haven't even occurred Yeah, in that past moment. All you're doing is, and this is just, I'm pretty sure this is just the, how the mind works. We attach to the negative energy. We attach what we could have a million good things happen to us, but that one bad thing will be the thing yeah. that we hatch open. We examine, we dissect, we go through over and over walking it Circles, you know and and it's just it comes down to that choice
1: of I mean that's usually in psychology that's really about the the general mindset that you've got so you know to put the broad I'm sorry <laughs> yeah so in in psychology you normally get um they talk about the glass full people half full and the glass half empty and I think the nature of our culture as well where you know you you, you don't celebrate the good stuff and it's all negative news and um and it's focusing on the negative now some people just innately do that more because that's also related to the, the mindsets of the family and how they've grown up but you get some other people who just don't really think like that that have a fair balance between realistic thoughts of maybe some of its a little bit negative and, and a lot of it's positive um, but we don't necessarily know that all we know is the kind of stuff that goes through our head and I think the amount of people that I've had a conversation with that think that they're the only ones that have weird and wacky thoughts or you know or a whole range of negative streaming or may, may not even be able to sit there and, and notice The loops that are going through. So sometimes it's also about having a bit of courage, trust and courage and hope, because um, you have to trust that you'll survive. So when I've had extreme anxiety in the past, I knew I wasn't going to die. So it stopped me going into a panic attack. It's when you're scared of what's going on that drives the panic attack. So, you know, that you, you can just be, have all these visions on top of the visions you're getting that are making you uh, panicky in the first place. And then with depression or low mood, if you've entered it and been in the deep, dark place, and you're coming out of that for the first time you might not trust that you're going to stay in that good place because there's a part of your mind that has maybe a cultural loop that says it's only good for a certain amount of time or when it gets good something bad always follows it so we have those mental ideas but once you've gone in there and come out and gone in and come out then you start you can sit back and notice ah I do go in there, but it's not as deep. It's not as low actually. And you can get to a state after, you know, a short while, hopefully of realizing that some of it isn't actually depression anymore. Some of it is just, you're tired. You've absorbed a lot of information. You've done a lot of work and you just need to recoup. So you need a day on the sofa and you need Absolutely.
2: to. And as long as you're, as you're going through, um, as you're coming out of depression. So that I'm, I'm walking from that initial stage. And we're working, like, as we're working through the depression thing, you know, it's like, you know, you, you have to focus on these, these realizations that piece by piece, you have to open and examine the things that led you down the path of depression, Mm -hmm. right? And so as you open them up and you go through them and you come through the other side, it now becomes almost like a library system for you Mm -hmm. where you can now point out this set of actions or this set of um, displays of thought patterns. Okay. So these are telling me now that, you know, say I wasn't using my voice effectively. And when I do that, it brings out anger that turns into bitterness that then, feeds my not worthiness. And yeah, so, if so I'm,
1: thoughts are that trail of thoughts then activates that trail of feelings.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And so, and that the whole point of me saying that is as we're working from that, the depths, that deep depression into coming back into the sunlight and starting to express yourself more freely, um, you know, it's, it's more effective, as a human being to pay attention to the things that are causing those levels. And then as you're uncovering them and working through those pieces, acknowledging, um, where they led to, you know, so yes. me not using my voice ends up being come to find out this inner child issue that I had mm-hmm. from not being able to, to speak my truth, uh, you know, out of fear of consequence. Um, And so that leads you into your adult life. Well, now I know this. So I know that if I'm feeling this way right now, that's not necessarily depression. It's my body giving me an indicator that this is the things that I allowed to happen in my life to bring me into this, this partially into this stage of depression. So what do I need to do now to acknowledge that part so that I don't find. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah and sometimes because i think there's a couple of things in that is sometimes we can't find what the source of it is about because sometimes it is just a state that creates the state that creates the next set of things but certainly the circular thinking because these are some of the classic things that if we if we're looking to diagnose somebody it's usually you know the amount of time that the thought loops the negative cycles, circular thinking, the procrastinating, the, the dissecting the conversations that you had with somebody, the lack of f- compassion for yourself, the lack of forgiveness for yourself, that you've made a mistake. So the, the thought loops can be, you know, I made a mistake, I messed up, everyone's going to hate me. or And there can be a whole range of things that then activate that cycle of Go in further into the despair. So recognizing those are really deport- important because you can disrupt them. So we were talking about how society is being disrupted, but on a on an individual level, disrupting those processes means we might not be able to stop it. And Abraham Hicks used to talk about this. I think they talked about the 15-second rule, 17 seconds, where you can get a trail of thoughts and you've got these internal statements that are being made, but you've got a little bit of time before the sand. And, you know, like if you're digging a hole, um, you've got a certain amount of time, haven't you, when you're sat there in on the sand and you're digging a hole, a certain amount of time before the sand st- sort of starts filling in. And that's sort of how the thoughts were. You know, you'll have one or two thoughts. And then there's a little bit of time to notice it and go ah what what road am I going down here? If I go down this road, it's going to take me here. If you if you continue, and the sun starts filling in, is all the other and what they talk about in terms of the law of attraction, when the power is increased, our capacity to be more uh, receptive and aware means we have to be even more mindful and that's why I'm even more mindful now because I see what happens more instantly you know it's not a week or a month or, or something now I'm seeing these things almost instantaneous so we get one or two thoughts and it's like if we don't stop it and disrupt it and go actually the light's really nice so oh it's cloudy Oh, I don't like the cloud. It's only been sunny for a few days. No, what I'll do. Okay, what can I do? What do I like to do on a cloudy day? I can pick up a book and enjoy the day in a different way. But if you don't do that and you don't disrupt the thoughts and don't shift that pattern, all those other thoughts come in. And then before you know it, you're on the roller coaster and you're starting to dip and your roller coaster car is just out of control and it's going down that cycle, and you hope at some stage you're gonna, you know, come up and get get some air. But it depends on, it depends on trusting the process. Same with grief, you get over, you know. Of course, you feel upset, angry, in shock. Of course, you feel those feelings in grief. But what happens is at some point you'll get a respite and you'll be able to breathe and you get a little bit of a gap and then you might get another dip. And I know, and I remember actually uh, consciously acknowledging this process of getting really, really overwhelmed with those grief feelings, which are like utter despair, aren't they? Utter despair and and hopelessness and all, and all of those feelings that come up. But also knowing, you know, almost like before I reach the top of the stairs when I'm going upstairs, that it will start to clear and the clouds will move out of the way and the sun isn't quite coming through, but it starts to clear and I can start to breathe. And it's like, ah, I'm coming back out of that process. When you're in it and you're in it fully, you don't necessarily know you're in it. same with depression. At least anxiety in a way is a, a sort of gusto for life because in existential terms, anxiety is sometimes a calling to the life that you should be moving towards not the life you're scared of. You know, it's 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 an alive energy. Depression is a, a flat sort of zone uh, energy. So yeah, I think like what we're both saying is we recognize that from the deepest, darkest places, if that's your l- constant lived experience, it's very tricky uh, to be able to shift those states. However, you can set the intention to like what I've done and you've done in the past, which is, I don't want to live in that house I don't I don't want to live here I don't like this feeling surely and even though I hadn't experienced a wide range of feelings I knew that that wasn't somewhere I'd lived and actually I didn't aspire to peace initially because initially I aspired to be calm enough to deal with my lads who were just fighting a lot you know and and so my my marker for them was we I don't, I don't like that. That is is disturbing. I don't like that. So let's, let's move into another zone. And and then eventually it was moving towards peace. I like that. So you said,
2: I like how you put it. You said anxiety is an alignment
1: energy and depressions a flat energy. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think both depression and anxiety, a bit like anger, get a lot of a bad rap. Like somehow it's something we shouldn't experience in society. Um, When when they're natural states, you know, depression, which Freud would have called melancholy years ago. These things are only really bad for people when it becomes your only state for a prolonged period of time. So feeling depressed because you've lost your job, you've got no money, the bank won't let you access your funds, um, your partner has divulged information that's upset you. It's natural to feel upset, depressed, angry with those events. Um, But the natural process is is that we feel shocked, we feel those feelings, and then we have to process them. And, And a lot of people process them through telling friends over and over again, why did you do this? Why did this happen? But that's just that natural part of having to verbalize, verbalize and get it, get it out there. And other people can do that through journaling. It's when you sit there with it on your own and, and maybe don't have that support mechanism, which sometimes is good as you get more self-efficacy and um, more able to, to use those processes on yourself. But initially, people need a bit of support to do that. So, and with anxiety, yeah, it's um, it can just be an indicator. It's almost like your system can be calling you towards something else, but the mental uh, things are disrupting that or putting some obstacles in your way because your fear can be, well, what if I allow myself to feel that and enjoy that and move down that path? Um, because even if you're in a situation that you don't like it's the one you know you know and being in something that you know is often even if it's not comfortable it is paradoxically more comfortable yep. because stepping out onto the street and going wonder what's going to happen on my day oh I wonder what exciting things are going to come along it's- it's really tricky for, for people to be in the unknown state.
2: Well, and when you sit in depression, you know, the crown chakra, I feel is yeah. you know your faith chakra yeah. is not up and running. You yeah. don't have faith in anything at that point. You know, you don't have faith in better days. You don't have faith in spirit. You don't have faith in the people around you. And, and so when you sit inside of a, a closed off chakra of that magnitude, because, all chakras are important, but mm. to not have faith yeah. is, is, a, it's a sense of hopelessness. Yeah. And, and that's really what depression starts yeah. to feel like is a state of hopelessness. And, and, um, I just, yeah. I am grateful not to be in that place anymore. And I am grateful to be in a position to where, you know, anybody that is ready, you know, to, to help, you know, grab buckets of water for them and, and, you know, and help along that, that course, because we all deserve to have this epiphany of a moment that says, I'm not, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to take the steps in action to create a safe environment for, for not only my thought patterns, but for, for my physical body to be in. And it's, it's just, it's beautiful to it's beautiful on the other side of it you know i've been really using the storm the this whole story of you know when you're above the storm it looks beautiful and there's pattern and you can see where it's going uh, and and you can do nothing but you know behold this beautiful thing but when you're underneath the storm it's chaotic it's messy you don't know what's going to survive and, you know, but at the end of the day, the storm still cl- clears, the storm moves away. And what's left is fresh energy, fresh, you know, this renewal and the things that were washed away were the things you didn't need anyway. And, so, yeah, but you so it's nice to be at the perspective of being above the storm now, because I, you know, inside of the storm, it's really scary. And you don't know, you don't know, especially in
1: the deeper parts of depression, you don't know if there's going to be a sunny day no and if that's been your state for a long time that's why you know you can understand why people take drugs or drink or or want to hop out because um you know it's not a great place to live in but i i also um you know the different experiences i've gone through and even some recently where if things felt really chaotic and stormy what the stabilization process, and that can mean either you stabilize yourself, or you stabilize your home environment, because your home is a representation of yourself mostly, anyway. So if you do manage to have a, a room, a place that's yours, a place that you can be stable in, and and you know you've got that covered, that even when it's stormy, chaos, uncertain, and you don't know things. Is We we go back to like what we said earlier, you have to breathe, you need to focus on slowing your breath right down, coming out of your head and into your heart and feeling into your body because you can sit in the centre of a storm and unless it's an emergency where you're in a boat and the water's coming through, you need life jackets and sometimes people have to throw you a life jacket or you have to be a good swimmer and you have to take action. But if it's not like that, then you ride it out and you sit with it. And again, that's going back to faith, hope, trust. Now, that can be possible, but then if you're in an environment with people, with family, with friends who are equal naysayers and equally gloomy and depressive about things, well, they can then become the the preventive factors from you growing, moving forward. And I think sometimes we don't realize that. We don't realise how those um, small comments or slights or even somebody, you know, and I think we've talked about this before, you can have you can hold a dream. You can be depressed and be anxious and be angry and all these things, but you can have a dream inside your heart. You know, it might be. I'd really love to ride a bike down down this street one day or have a dog or run this centre or work in a shop or, you know, or bake bread. But because people often are are very bad at entertaining other people's ideas in in a positive, supportive manner, because... It just doesn't make sense to them and they don't realise because it doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't mean to say it's not a good idea, but the tendency can be, well, really? And, you know, you just get a bit of a a funny look or a nod. And that can be enough to uh, to sort of be a unspoken message of are you sure? And if you seek that validation from people around you, you know, that in order to make a decision that you're not sure about to move out of your homeostasis your safe space and go and explore you want to be a road digger you know or you've just come out of uni you've got a degree and you realize you don't want to sit in an office that actually you've always you want to pull carrots out the ground instead you know that you should be able to pursue those things because the curiosity is coming in now the creative energy is coming in now the insights into something else that it doesn't have to be a permanent situation. It can be you go and pull out carrots for three months and you meet someone on that journey that you go travelling with and you have a glorious life and it's a step to a step to a step. Nothing's ever finite. But if you've got people around you that are like that and then it's also being aware, okay, I'm shifting and I'm feeling more positive, but now I've noticed that I've just spent a, a, a day in the company of that person and now my dreams have just dissipated and and I got to a phase where I remember, and I've done this at work, and I've done it in other places. That where I've had something like that, and certainly where I was working on some projects a few years ago, I I stopped sharing some of those dreams and ideals because I because I knew, and I remember reading this. I did read this from somewhere that until it gathers enough of a momentum, it it, it is so easy to just. Uh, for it to dissipate so the momentum can be generated through like you you build your uh you build your cognitive faculties when you're meditating and the the gray matter in your brain through the consistent practice so even if it's five minutes a day or two hours a day the fact your brain's got a neural pathway and it's building that up each day. So you build the momentum of that. And it's the same with your dreams. You wake up in the morning and you do your whole thing around gratitude, but you lay there and you, and I do this. It's like, what what place are you living in right now? It, Not that you're in it, but you're in it in your mind. What dog am I walking? What activities am I doing? And you enter into the dream and you feed the dream you think about that dream because you don't just clear out negative thoughts or just get rid of them because they'll just pop back in what you've got to do with most behaviors is you just start a more positive thing a more positive behavior because you, you can't go I'm cutting all these things off because your brain just especially you know there's a lot of intelligent people out there they're also highly anxious so you've got to introduce New thoughts, new habits, new ideas. And so you you play around. And, and so with a lot of the people I was working with a few years ago when I was in the social groups, I'd say, become the scientist and the creator in your life. Doesn't matter whether it's true or right or whatever. Just play around with it. Give it a go. You lay in bed, you're doing nothing. So why don't stare at the ceiling and, and create images and see what happens? Yeah. Yeah, it does.
2: And the more detail you get, the better it manifests itself. And yeah. you know, we are very much in charge of our life. And it's that giving up of control that sense of spinning. So when you do imagine in that dreamlike state, as you're saying, it is it's to put in the details as to what what color is that dog? What is what does his ears look like? You know, mm-hmm. um, what what is the 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 collar look like you know what is the sky around you is it is it bright and sunny sunny is it you know is it gloomy today
1: storms
2: yeah yeah i mean is there some on the edge uh you know those are all very important um in creating this it's, it's all that science science is proving time mm. and again that the world is mental And if, the if, if what, if you and I are looking at the same picture, you and I are going to be seeing two two different things, which creates this mental world that gives you that, that even more of that, um, that push to create a world that you want to, that you want to to thrive in. Cause this world that is being created without your input, this world that you think that you're just a bystander in that's that, that that lack of control inside of your step by your day to day leads you into a, a, you know, more of a faded path. And you're looking to be in a destiny path in a path where you're in alignment with your soul's calling. When you're, you're in alignment with what it is that brings you joy. And, you know, you, you have to take that upon yourself. We feel helpless inside of depression, but depression is this beautiful ground to create something brand new.
1: Yeah. And and the thing is, though, because I'm just aware as we're talking, though the language is familiar to us. But if I'm talking to somebody that either has a little bit of interest of the spiritual path or psychology or because the, the this language and landscape translates, you know, in sports psychology, they've been using vid, uh, guided visualisation for years. There was research that went on where they had athletes who had – ended up with an injury they couldn't do their sport uh running or whatever and they'd have them visualizing their bodies healing their muscles getting stronger and then running races and they um they'd researched the difference between the cohort that did that and the ones that didn't and the ones that did that their muscle composition and their capacity had increased just through laying in the bed. And we know that with meditation, same thing. Grey matter has increased. We've now got brain scanning techniques and they know they can see the difference between the meditative brain and the person who, you know, the ordinary people that give that very little thought. So the science behind that, the science of spirituality is really coming together for a lot of the things that people would see was... A bit woo woo, a bit esoteric. You know, mindfulness and meditation is used in in a lot of private business now. Consultants, CEOs, executives are using that because they they realize what happens. Like the girl that I was talking to at work, she said, You know, I was at university, we used to get really stressed. And do you know when you get writer's block? I said, Well, writer's block is actually a little bit of a myth because. You don't get a block. What you feel is, is you've hit this point where you can't sit and force yourself to produce any further ideas because that creativity is an, an activity that you can put into a particular time frame. But what you can do is you can think of the subject and the headings I need to write about, you know, this breed of dog and how to train them. But you don't get the content. You, can't, you don't necessarily... Some people can do that. Some people can write at the last moment. But I said the process itself is um, considering the information that you need to create something about or the idea, because it might be an art piece or pottery piece or something like that. And then allowing the brain to do its job. I said, so when you're getting up and washing the plates and putting the washing out at that point when you're overwhelmed and stressed. Well, the creativity is not going to come in at that point. You might get a few ideas, but it's when you give yourself a completely different break. And there was, and and again, there's been different research been done, that the brain actually switches activities you know uh processes like every 50 minutes which is why workshops started reducing the amount of time people would talk because you can only take in the information for first yeah, and even the
2: military and and meetings they do 45 minutes and then a break right they've learned through this that you your brain can only input for so long and then yeah. you have to take a, a a break before you can come back and input
1: more information yeah and then you need, you, you can get, and, and in research, they talk about it quite a lot, where you, you take in, take in, take in. You read books, you research, you look at articles. Then there's a, a process that happens in your system that formulates and does. Now, we're not often consciously aware of that. So I said, so when you're feeling that so-called writer's block, it just means get out your chair and do something else. But then don't, while you're putting the washing out, procrastinate, because you've got writing's block. Right, you still <laughs> have a date that you have to turn this stuff in, But <laughs> Yeah, but, but, yeah. But, but what you can do is you can say, I said, that's why timelines are good. So if you set yourself, you know, you look at the, the month you've got ahead, if you're gonna be anxious, create things in your month ahead, you know, put things in there, don't just wait, you know, wait for it to happen. Um, and then you create your week ahead and you put timelines in. And the idea is if you give your brain, it's a bit like if you say when you're going to sleep, um, I want to wake up at six o'clock every morning. You tell your brain, I want to wake up at six o'clock. Chances are it will wake you up at six. It's the same when you've got a piece of work, which is why some people can work to a deadline. This piece of work has got to be in Friday night at nine o'clock. How is it that you man- most people manage to bang out a piece of work at that deadline? So what we used to do at work—it was interesting. When my boss was a—he uh, was a psychologist. We used to have team meetings, and we were smart enough to know that most meetings are pointless and you can end up with everyone just talking for a bit and people don't read the energy and realize it's done. After 10 minutes, everyone should just go. So because you've booked two hours in that room, you've got to stay there and talk about stuff for two hours, which a lot of meetings do because they can just meander. What our boss did, he said, right, we we didn't set the agenda until we got in the meeting room. There was no agenda prior to that moment. And in the meeting room, he would say, right, who wants to talk about something? And he would say, how long is that going to take you? And initially you'd go, I don't know. And then you'd have to come up with a number and he would give you. So you said, oh, because some people go, well, I can't talk about that for 15 minutes, you know, so they'll give themselves a lower number. But then you go, oh, three minutes. And then when you start talking, you get three minutes. That's it. But over time, so and he'd even have like an egg timer. So if somebody said, this is going to take me 15 minutes to get 15 minutes, someone says two minutes. So, of course, that relies on everybody getting to learn how long it takes them sometimes to, to express an idea or information. But also it made it really focused because you can often... Just all of a sudden, like we were saying earlier, you don't have to mentally construct it. The information will just come out and you can use that time. Took us a bit of uh, time to get used to it. And I've introduced that in other teams as well. You know, so how long how long do you need? What do you want? What do you want on the agenda? Really changes the whole uh, dynamic of it. Yeah, it really does.
2: Uh, cause I've been in my fair share of meetings that could have been done in 10 minutes and two yeah. hours later, you're still like, okay, I have a home to go to. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I even would start doing that with my photography, you know, um, you have a tendency to want to continue to create if you're yeah. on a, on a roll, yeah. but you can also start to sense when that either the the subject is starting to tire or you yourself are starting to tire or just generally speaking the energy in the room is dissipating it's it's dissipating yeah and so I would start to based on the type of shoot I was doing would be you know the length of time I knew that a family photo session breakdowns and everything would take an hour Mm -hmm. If not a little under, I would give myself one hour. I knew that boudoir sessions when you're in front of the camera would actually take about two hours because you have to change a lot of clothing. You've got to change, you know, touch up makeup, you know, get the positions just right. And then if you have a newborn, you know, that it's a four hour session, but you would have to cut it off at four hours because newborns can take days to get pictures done. If that baby is feeling you know, gassy or wants to be wide awake. And we don't pictures of wide awake, newborns, it's just kind of a wild experience because they're cross-eyed still. So, <laughs> um, or they don't open their eyes all the way, but yeah, once you put a time frame around what it is that you're doing or wanting to accomplish, it, it really does. It sets your, your motivation in a different, it puts it in a different space entirely. It says, okay, I have one hour to handle, you know, this thing that I wanted to do. And then you're kind of, you're, you're preparing yourself mentally for this. So your physical body can then catch up and that mental state can be right there when it's time. And then you say, I only have to do this for an hour. So you don't become overwhelmed. You don't say there's no end in sight. So you've wrapped it up in a pretty package for you. Now, not everybody has to do this, but it does help, especially when you are learning how to take control of your life again, setting up time frames, setting up, you know, exact, you know, between one and two o'clock every day, I spend that time grabbing myself a, a small lunch and then sitting and, and processing something, or maybe I eat and then meditate, or maybe it's my shower time, but to, to start scheduling pieces of your day especially in the, the depression areas, it keeps that day from wandering off and turning into nighttime that then just presents itself with another daylight that you don't have any control in.
0: Oh, I can't, I can't hear you.
1: I thought I'd turn that back on. Um, that's an interesting point because I remember... Um, and and it's been my personality for a long time I never liked really routines or things done just because they're done you know that's the way we've always done it but I remember and I don't know when this was um, a few years ago now of starting to put more routine into the day so that's like I get up have a bath uh, do some meditation now I do the yoga then now and it, and i've added to it now i do all the services in the room because there's something about the light shining in the kitchen first thing in the morning that that just gives a different level of satisfaction and so it wasn't so much about the things but it was about uh doing those things and getting it to a stage especially we're working from home where they're not now distractions i don't think oh i've now got to do that i'll do that um And the routine becoming more important and then in the afternoon making sure that then I went out or went out on my bike or whatever while it was still light. Because if I left that or I didn't do it, I'd either get too, like what you're saying, the energy would start to run out and I'd get to the point where it's like, well, I can't be bothered now. Or now it's getting darker. Then I'd be annoyed at myself because I haven't... um, Here you are so then I'd get um get annoyed with myself, but I've noticed even though there's a part of me that doesn't like this uh sort of routine and structure, what I then did is I I do that, I plan my weeks and I, I put on my calendar things that I definitely want to make sure I get achieved that week. Some of the other things that I will do if I've got the time, but the weekends for me are free roaming, so I have at least one day. i don't plan anything and i love that and on the other days i do and it's that balance between feeling because you can get a bit um